0: Hey, fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Postbook Depression.
1: You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end?
0: Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the
1: reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at postbookdepressionpodcast or on Facebook in our Depression discussion group. We would
0: love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready?
1: Let's discuss.
0: Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we are going to discuss The Brightest Sunset by Allie Martinez. The first few minutes, we're going to do a brief review of the story without any spoilers. Then we're going to shift into that deeper book discussion, which as always will include plenty of spoilers. We will let you know before we start the discussion portion. The Brightest Sunset picks up in the aftermath of what happens when the tragedies of both Charlotte and Porter collide in this gripping story about overcoming grief through healing and restoration. Sarah, what did you think about... The Brightest Sunset.
1: This story provided the closure that we all needed from the darkest sunrise, especially me, because I needed closure. It was equally gut-wrenching as the first one for me. The story takes you on a roller coaster of emotions from beginning to end, just like the first part did. Allie addresses two, like I had said in the last episode, of the worst fears a parent can have. And I feel like she wrote a beautiful duet that breaks your heart, but then it puts it back together in a way that you could never imagine possible. And I was really thankful for how she brought closure to this one.
0: Well, I don't think I can top what you just said. <laughs> yeah, that was perfectly described. It was an emotional roller coaster. Allie takes you on ups and downs, all of the emotions. We experience all of those. But she definitely gives us a conclusion that I think all of us readers really, really needed. Yes
1: let's get into our ratings angst gritting teeth emojis i gave this one 3.75 it was very angsty still for me but i could see the light at the end of the tunnel some things had been answered and it was a little bit easier for me to kind of get through
0: i actually rated five out of five whoa on the angst okay i felt like this part this section of the duet was so much heavier For me, than the first book, the heaviness just weighed on me so much harder. I know that you focused on the light, but I just chose to live in the darkness, I'll be honest, and it was a very, very angsty for me.
1: No judgment, Amy. There's no judgment in the (laughs) darkness. No judgment. All right, humor, laughing emojis. I gave it a 2.5. I, again, I rated that same on the first one and as well as this one, because Ali, even in the midst of just this dark heartbreaking story that you just you don't want to accept it as anybody's reality she just gets in there and she gives you these little nuggets of humor and it just made me happy I need that (laughs) when I'm reading something this heavy I need that and I appreciate the way she does it I gave the humor for this part a little bit lower, 1.75
0: out of 5. I didn't feel like there was as many laughing moments. There were still some in there. But for me, as you can tell by my angst rating, (laughs) there was more angst than humor. I did appreciate that there was humor sprinkled throughout. Spiciness!
1: I gave the spice a 2.5. I felt like she kept it pretty similar to the first book. You get these moments of intimacy. They're done very well. And they have this beautiful connection, but it wasn't way over the top. I was close to you. I gave it 2.75.
0: While there were a few scenes, this book, I felt predominantly focused on the family dynamics the
1: most in this duet. Tears, crying emojis. I gave this one a 4.5. I cried a lot. I didn't think I could cry more (laughs) than I did in the first book. But the second book, I just really, I really struggled. We had some answers But I was so just, oh, I was so torn for Mm -hmm. these characters on so many levels. So it was high for me.
0: I gave four out of five. What the families have to endure is so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. This one was, even though the first book was definitely sad, for me, the emotions were higher. And the struggles that these characters in the good portion of the book, I was going to say two thirds, but it may be more than that, was very heavy.
1: Yeah. Overall, how many stars? I gave this a five. I really love this book. It's never going to leave me. I think a big reason for that is the topic of which it deals with. If it's real intense the way that this story is, it's it tends to stick with me. And she just did it so beautifully. It's such a hard story but it's so well written.
0: I agree. I did 4.5. I felt this was an incredible story about working together through heavy stuff and overcoming hardships. Allie did an incredible job of piecing these two stories together and making us have all the feels. Yes. That concludes a spoiler-free quick review of this story. Now we're going to shift into the deeper book discussion portion, which will include lots of spoilers. If you have not read this story, please go check it out. Come back and listen to our discussion and then let us know your thoughts on the story. You can find us on Instagram, Post book Depression Podcast, on Facebook in our Post book Depression discussion group. And of course, you can always email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Part two, the conclusion. We kick off from Porter's point of view with his experience of Catherine driving off the bridge. Oof, Sarah, let's talk about that.
1: Okay, so this answered some questions that we had. Why did she do it? Why did she drive off the bridge? And we know that Travis needed a heart transplant. And She had done a lot of research and rightfully so as a parent, when you have a sick kid, you want to know everything. The doctor kind of rejected her ideas because she's trying to find a cure for him Mm -hmm. and there's not a cure. They can only manage it without a heart transplant. So they just had this really hard doctor's appointment and that scene was very interesting to me because it also gives us a glimpse more into Porter and Catherine's dynamic because Mm I felt like in the first book, he kind of briefly talks about their marriage or the way, like he thinks about it and you think they had a good marriage. You come to find out that they've had some struggle mm-hmm. and it's been very hard and she leaves this doctor's appointment very mad and he just has this gut feeling, don't go back to work. And I'm so glad that he listened to oh, that. Oh, me too.
0: We would have a totally different story. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. <laughs> We wouldn't have a story. Just, I'm so glad that he listened to that discernment that I need to just be with my family because now we understand this woman is not well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of already knew that because we find out, I mean, we know Travis is Lucas. Mm-hmm. We know that. We know that Catherine abducted Luke, Lucas when he was six months old. We know that Porter met, and this was like kind of a surprise to me. I had in my head, Travis was biologically porters. I did too. So I was surprised when we find out he didn't meet Travis until he was four years old. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a lot of truth bombs that just get dropped in this story all throughout. But Catherine being very unstable, it made more sense when you realize that she abducted him, why she tried to hold him underwater. And just... Yeah, because
0: he could no longer be a good substitute for her... Dead child.
1: Well, I also was very intrigued by Porter thinking back to how she says, I can't lose him again, which I thought was an odd thing to say. And then I also, because Porter not knowing, Mm -hmm. I would imagine, I was thinking for him thinking, that would be odd. You haven't lost him yet. He's (laughs) standing here. And then when she says something about her, how is this going to impact me? And he thinks to himself, it's always about you, Catherine. But never mind the fact that he will be the one that has to die. Yeah. Never mind Hannah and myself. What about the rest of us? We're going to be impacted by this as well. Also, I was kind of... Because there's a lot of revelations in this. She's the lost Travis, her biological son, which I'm going to assume SIDS or something. Yeah. You know, we don't really know why. she ta-
0: Well, he talks about how she... Panics at night and always has to check on Hannah. Older so I get, assume it was Sid's as well. Yes.
1: But one of the things that I kept thinking of was, you've lost Travis. You know the pain of that. You try to kill yourself and both of your children. You don't even, like, try to live for the fact that you have another biological daughter. I mean, Porter doesn't know that Travis isn't biologically yours. And that you have some serious mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I, I was just, I was so baffled by her tunnel vision of the loss of Travis that she couldn't even focus on. She has a biological daughter. Yeah. It was very interesting to me.
0: I found it interesting as well. And it really broke my heart having to read those scenes from Porter's point mm. of view and having to relive them. We we got a little bit of that in the first book and getting, you know, the rest of the backstory around that scene in this opening Prologue for the second book was telling.
1: It really makes you connect the dots a lot more and to understand. And it also made me, I will say, if anything, gave me a little bit of this sounds so bad, but I'm gonna say it relief was the fact that, I mean, I know that he, in that moment when she was trying to hold Travis underwater, he felt instant hate. Mm -hmm. But that they had already been kind of having some problems. Like they were, there were some major struggles within their marriage. And he was just trying his best to be a good husband and a good dad. I probably shouldn't feel relief about that. I'm going to think on that. but There's no judgment in the darkness, people. There is no judgment here in the darkness.
0: So immediately out of that prologue, we jump right into the yard scene where it is discovered and elaborated on that Lucas and Travis are the same. And there is... Pandemonium. So much pandemonium and chaos... And Travis does not know what is going on. Porter has no idea what is happening.
1: His mom doesn't know. I kept thinking about the mom standing in the doorway.
0: And Charlotte and Tom are making these snap judgments. I mean, based on the information that Tom found. And oh my goodness, Sarah, was that scene chaotic.
1: Amy, I'm going to be brutally honest because there's no judgment. (laughs) I'm gonna keep saying that for every time I feel like maybe somebody's gonna come at me. I did not like Tom.
0: Okay, are we gonna get into Tom? Right Let's
1: now? do it. Let's get into Tom. Allie, we have something to say about Tom.
0: We have something to say about Tom. I could not handle Tom in this whole book.
1: I couldn't either. I could not either. I, you go. I can't. <laughs> I'm too upset.
0: I'm upset too. Tom
1: frustrated me to no
0: end. The fact that until the very end of the book, he was still against Porter, even after the evidence was proven that Porter had nothing to do with it, even after literally everything around him is obvious it's not Porter. He's still is holding things against him, and it upset me.
1: It made me so mad because I felt it was such a pride thing on his end. You couldn't find him. Let's just own up to the fact that you feel guilty that you could not figure out what had happened. So you want to, just like Brady, want to place blame, and you are still coming after it. But that's not the biggest reason I am mad at him. Okay, tell me more. I'm mad at him because he kept making these assumptions before the evidence and people are telling him you don't have the evidence yet you cannot go and say these things and he does it anyway mm-hmm. what kind of detective are you first of all you have told her her son is dead and then he is not do you even comprehend the emotional storm of which you have tossed her into and he should amy he should because his daughter drowned when she was what three mm-hmm So we know that about Tom. So you've told her, her son is dead. Oh no, he's alive. Oh, it's Porter Reese's son. You don't even, even if I understand, I totally 100% understand they need to investigate Porter. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Definitely. Logically, legally, it makes sense. But he goes in, guns a blazing, not having all the facts, and he makes these assumptions And accusations. And accusations that causes Charlotte to spin. Mm -hmm. It was so mishandled. And all I kept thinking as I was reading the scene was, if this is how real life law enforcement, and I know it's not, I love and respect law enforcement for what they do. But let's also be honest. There is a side of law enforcement (laughs) that makes us crazy, such as this. (laughs) Okay? So there's a love-hate. I just... I thought to myself, you know, this is why people get mad with the law. And this is why people get mad when you're doing investigations. Surely this is not accurate. Surely not. Yeah, it really irritated me that Tom was making
0: accusations without the facts, without the evidence in front of him, which takes us to the police station scene. So we transition from the yard scene where they end up separating. They arrest Porter. Charlotte heads to the police station. They take Travis
1: I, I can't, from I can't. Porter,
0: which we'll get into, and they all head to the police station. Brady meets them there. Let's spend some time while we're worked up, because mm-hmm. <laughs> clearly we're worked up. to take a deep breath. Let's pause from our stress and talk for a, f- a few minutes about the police station. And I w- want us to kind of Focus on each of the four people's point of view, starting with Charlotte and Brady. Okay. And then we'll shift over into Porter. And of course, Travis is going to weave into Charlotte and Brady's point of view as well. So we have Charlotte coming in and Brady meets them there. And all they know is that Travis is with the social workers. He's with them and they've been briefed on how to interact with him when they first see them, see him for the first time. Let's talk about that scene.
1: Okay, I'm going to address Brady because Charlotte and Brady are together. Brady completely ignores what the social worker had suggested. That Sarah, they...
0: my anxiety was through the roof in that moment.
1: Uh, Amy, all I kept thinking about through this whole thing is Travis. Mm-hmm. He, that's all. I, I had tunnel vision, and I kept thinking how the scene in the yard unfolded, how Charlotte got psycho crazy, which I... I understand. I 100%, as much as I want to judge her for how she reacted, I would be literally the same way. I would. I know I would. But he was so scared. This is an 11-year-old. Joke's on us. He's 10. (laughs) Yeah. I have a 7-year-old. And I kept thinking of how terrifying that would be for my child. And he's not with his dad. They take him. And Brady just ignores and and Travis is like, get off me. Yeah, they were given specific
0: instructions not to, at Travis's request, he didn't want to be touched. Rightfully he, so. I know. These strangers. Yeah. And he hugs him, like squeezes him, mm-hmm. not just a little hug. He physically touches him. There's high emotion. My anxiety was through the roof.
1: Mine was too. I love how Charlotte recognizes how Brady messed that whole thing up. And recognizes how they're supposed to approach Travis. She's not really sure what's happening right now. She's not completely sold that Porter did this, but she can't figure out why he had Lucas in her mind, but Mm -hmm. Travis. And so she's trying to figure this all out. She approaches it the way she should. She also recognizes that Travis is getting worked up. Travis is having trouble breathing. Mm -hmm. She needs his medicine bag. And the way she diffuses this situation.
0: I loved her so much in that moment.
1: I also felt like not only was she in mama bear mode, she went into doctor mode. Yes. She recognized this is a patient that is having difficulty breathing. We need to calm this down. So, you know, the social worker gives her the bag and she's able to treat him. I also love how she sends Brady away. I loved that so much. And she was like, he was just making me nervous or something, or he was getting on my nerves or something like that. And he smiles
0: at her. Yes.
1: But she has that connection. And so let's go back to the fact that he had seen her Mm -hmm. in the doctor's office. So that comes back to that hi moment where Travis says hi to her. He knows that that's her. I love that she shows him on her phone the picture of her and Porter. And reassures him, your dad knows
0: me. He trusts me. Mm -hmm. Even though he's not here right now in this moment, he would trust me with you. Right. To give... Travis, a sense of peace. Yes, in a very, very high stress, chaotic moment of panic. For him.
1: I was very thankful that she chose to do that because she could have been in the mindset of Porter took him. She doesn't want to acknowledge Porter. She's just going to be on this whole he's guilty and not reassure Travis with using the picture of Porter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that in that moment she chose that picture to help put him at ease. Because she didn't have to. She could have done it a different way. So I, Yeah, I
0: also I, like that she allowed him to text his dad. I did, just too. to bring him a little bit of peace. I did kind of feel like she
1: probably wouldn't approve of
0: what he texted. I don't think she realized it. I don't think she noticed. Or well, she didn't. It. <laughs> she.
1: I mean, we find out later. But I was thankful that she allowed that as well.
0: And I also was glad for the fact when Brady came back in, he had calmed down. Mm-hmm. The stress level immensely had been brought down in that scene which shifts us over into porter's interrogation and here he is being interrogated freaking smooth out being accused of these horrible crimes which he had no knowledge or reco- recollection of he didn't know and panicking for travis
1: mm-hmm. i was losing my ever love mind for him and I felt panicked for him as not just Travis's dad, but Hannah's dad that he's going to lose Travis and then they're going to put him in jail for Catherine's abduction and Hannah's not going to have a dad. And I I knew that that wasn't what was going to (laughs) happen, but I did think that he was, it, it just did not look good for him. And I really... Felt strongly that when he screamed out at Catherine how much he hated her, I was right there with him. Mm -hmm. Same.
0: I was too. And I felt that was a very realistic reaction.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. If you're about to lose your kid, you found out that your wife abducted abducted him. He was four years old when you met him. She abducted him. She married you. You had a kid with her. Yeah. (laughs) Like they were married for 4 years? Yes, because Travis was 8 when she died. So they were married for 4 years. Can
0: you I- imagine the panic that he's feeling and no. the amount of processing that he's having to go through getting all of this information dumped on him? It was very stressful.
1: I can't even because not only have you realized that you're you've tried so hard to just come to terms with the fact that she tried to kill your children. She didn't just try to kill Travis. She tried to kill Hannah, Travis, and herself. Mm-hmm. She just tried to keep Travis down there with her because Hannah had been taken out of the car. So you have tried to come to terms with the fact that you were married to somebody who could do that. Well, and he makes that as a clear distinction to the
0: authorities. She, Let's be clear. She wasn't killed. She, she committed suicide right. and tried to murder my children.
1: Yes, And I was very thankful that he did that. And then, on top of having to come to terms with that, you find out she was severely mentally unwell. Mm -hmm. She abducted. And you know firsthand the pain that that has caused the woman you have fallen in love with. You've had multiple discussions, multiple confessions with one another of what that has done to her. And now you, you realize... My son that I've been raising is her son? That brings me to a thought that I had while
0: reading this. I found it was an interesting choice that Allie made to leave the reader in a major game of of tug-of-war emotionally because it would have been much easier to support Charlotte taking Lucas back if we weren't as invested in Porter as a dad and a human as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. She was very clever at the way that she chose to write this. And, I mean, it's obvious why, because she's putting these characters together. But, whew. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot.
0: We've talked about Catherine and what she's done. She has basically been the biggest manipulator Mm. in everything that she's done up until this point. And we learn all this. We're, We're in the police station. And this is where we go into the separation of Travis and Porter for a significant amount of time. Charlotte takes Travis home with her. And there's been an order of protection put into place against Porter. And Sarah, my heart almost just couldn't handle it.
1: I I couldn't. And I was so upset because I thought, how could she do that? But then there was a part of me that also thought Brady pushed for that. I'm sure. But when he calls, when he gets... Well, at this
0: point, the investigation against Porter is still going. So there's probably a
1: lot legally, too. right. So when they're driving back home, Tanner is taking Porter home. His brother's taking him home and his phone is booting up and he knows the protection is in place and he gets the text message from his son. He thinks it's been sent after the protective order Mm -hmm. and the voicemail he leaves for her. Oh, Amy.
0: Sarah, my heart in that moment, it was conflicted because as a reader, you know that he's experiencing something that was t- sent hours before all of this. You know that the that this order is still in place. You know that she hasn't changed her mind. And here he is with this elation and joy in his heart thinking, mm-hmm.
1: "Oh, she's changed her mind." Yeah, and it, it, it's I don't know why he would think that though because You know, you can't, there's two parents involved here. Mm -hmm. Like we have to acknowledge, we come to find out throughout this story. Let's just lay it out there now. Brady just becomes a Tom for us too. He definitely does. He is very hard. He's so, we talked about in the first part, he has a lot of animosity towards Charlotte. But he is Lucas, we're going to call him, let's just call him Travis throughout this. He is Travis's dad. He's his dad mm-hmm. and he has every right to want that protection mm-hmm. in place because he doesn't know Porter yeah. and he's again mad at Charlotte for being with a man that he thinks in his mind took their son. Mm-hmm. So, Which
0: he hangs on to until the very end. Even. To the bitter <laughs> end.
1: Brady, Brady, Brady. Golly. But let's jump back into the separation and what this does to kind of everybody. Charlotte is so torn. Because she loves Porter, or she thought she did, and she kind of rides that back and forth. She doesn't know how to feel she wants him, but she also doesn't, uh, there's no closure for the investigation yet. Porter, I, let's just come back to him, (laughs) because he is what really tears me up. Travis is so, he has that piece because of Charlotte showing that picture, but he doesn't understand he doesn't understand, and he just, he wants
0: the comfort of his dad. He wants Porter because that's his whole life. That's what he knows. He's being thrust into a life with people he doesn't know, strangers, with this high emotion and stress. He's not been given any information. He's left in the dark. And I got to tell you, Sarah, that scene where Tanner shows up the next day oh. with his stuff, and Travis gets so excited because he thinks he's getting to go home to see his dad. That was the scene that I I cried. Because just his little mind, not being able to understand the severity of the situation that he was in and nobody really having answers for him and him just in a constant state of turmoil and unknown was very, very heavy for me.
1: I felt like Tanner handled that so well, but his grief and how he got choked up and he's trying to keep his tears from Travis so Travis doesn't see how upset he is. It was, that scene was hard. I also felt that Charlotte needed to see that she needed to see it because Tanner and Porter look a lot alike, and just I don't know. I think it was kind of a little bit of a reminder to her that the man you love could not have done what they're saying now. Brady, he's the whole other. He's just there. <laughs> he's just there with his wrath to bring drama and his for us, anger and his drama. But Porter was devastating because you have a kid, and now I know, I know that he knows Charlotte is a doctor, but your kid is sick.
0: And you've been the one to take care of him for 11 years, 10 years, whatever the number is.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, he was four, but so just to know that your kid is sick to not, because he's having multiple breathing treatments at night. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're not there. The panic you can't tell him you feeling. love him. You don't know what's going to happen with your daughter. You you can't explain to a three and a half year old when she keeps asking why Travis isn't there. Oh, there was a scene. I so my daughter is four, so I was relating to this. I thought of your daughter often in this story with Hannah. <laughs> yeah, every scene with Hannah. Ugh, I get emotional. Every scene with Hannah, I just pictured my daughter, and how when I have to explain different things to her that she doesn't comprehend, and she keeps asking. And, you know, there was one moment where he said she'd asked, like, in a 30-minute drive, 2,000 questions or something (laughs) like that. That's real. And it just, there were so many unknowns for Porter that he's just, he just had so much. And I'm sure he's elated. He says something. He thinks something. And it just really kind of summed up what I, I was feeling for him, because that's how I would have felt was when he said something to the effect, he's so glad Charlotte has her son back, but why did it have to be his son? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ugh. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: That was, yes, that was very emotional. Moving on
1: before I start <laughs> solving again. Oh my
0: gosh, this book. So let's shift then into the preliminary trial. This, speaking of chaos, ooh, this little trial scene was a bit chaotic in and of itself with everyone yelling and disagreeing and standing up and I just was picturing the judge smacking his gavel like bringing order to the the room and threatening
1: to throw everybody out and arrest them. I was thrilled when Brady got tossed out. I was sad when Tanner got tossed out (laughs) but I also wanted to say Tanner you are not helping this situation. Sit down. Yeah all of them were not helping anything. They were just wanting
0: To say their piece, I know Porter Porter felt very isolated. You've got Charlotte and Brady kind of as a team over here across the way, and then Porter is by himself. I imagine felt very isolating for him.
1: Yeah, but I love the scene when everything is spinning and the judge is getting ready to, like, throw down, you know, his whatever he's going to say. And he puts his hands out and he's like, stop, please, no, just stop. And because I felt the panic in Porter. And he's like, I need it to stop. I need it to stop. And when they make contact, because that's what she had always told him when she was in those dark moments. Oh, this book, Amy So much. <laughs> Listeners, I'm so sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm feeling. No apologies. <laughs> We're in the <laughs> darkness. <laughs> when she always tell him, would tell him, I need it to stop. And whenever he says that, her heart is just broken for him. I think that was the moment for her. She knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he did not have anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. Don't you? That was,
0: yes, that was a pivotal moment. I'm, I agree. I think that she needed that moment to solidify in her mind that he's the man that she fell in love with. And he's not capable of doing the things that he's been accused of. Yeah. During this time where they're separated, the topic of nature versus nurture comes up multiple times. Mm -hmm. I want to know your thoughts on that specific to this story.
1: That's tough. I feel like she definitely, when Charlotte, she picks up very clearly that Travis, even though he is not biologically Porter's, he is Porter's son. Yes. He has his mannerisms. The scene where she is figuring out the likes that she has and the likes that Brady has versus the likes that Travis has and how it's just something that he's grown up with. I feel like it's a real thing. I feel like that that would really happen. I agree. I think that a lot of who we are as a person is defined
0: by the environment that we grow up in and we're in and around. The people that Surround us in our life, we pick up on those examples, we pick up on those mannerisms, the behavior, mm-hmm. the way we speak, the way we act, the way we treat people. All of that is a learned behavior, yeah, in my opinion. And I think that Travis is the perfect definition of nurture.
1: I agree, and I and that's not to say that as they spend time around him, he's not going to have these. Just ingrained qualities like sure. just within himself that are pieces of charlotte or pieces of Absolutely. brady but i do feel like it's more of what we are surrounded by that's going to have the biggest impact in our lives i think so too we have
0: the scene where travis has basically had his can full he's not getting any answers he's very hurt he's missing his dad he climbs out the window and Charlotte bangs in her way into his room when he had locked the door and the panic she feels about having to relive losing him again and finding him outside the window. Let's spend a few minutes talking about that scene.
1: Okay, so my first thought was that he had collapsed. And then when she gets in there and she realizes he's not in there and he's out the window, I for a very split second, I thought there's no way... came in there and got him there's no way but I felt her panic as my little girl she's a little cheeky and (laughs) one day we have some land and she played hide and seek but didn't tell anybody she played hide and seek oh that's fun yeah so it was like five minutes Amy I literally thought I was gonna die like we're at a dead end nobody's there's no way she couldn't have gotten (laughs) far okay and my husband and I, and our son, when she came out, when we had explained to her, you have to come out when we say come out, we were sobbing. And it it was not even five minutes. I know it wasn't. It felt like an eternity. So I was feeling a fraction of what she was <laughs> feeling reading this scene I imagine with so. Travis being out the window. And then my fear was, he's sick. He's sick and he needs a breathing treatment. She's trying to. She's trying to get him, you know, his treatment. And what if he collapses on the street? Like, how far can he really make it with his set of lungs?
0: I was really thankful that Allie chose to leave Travis under the window and I not was make too. it down the street. Because in my mind, he was down the street. <laughs> he was hightailing it to Porter, even though he had no idea where Porter was. So I was thankful that she wrote the scene the way she did. And then it shifts, obviously, into Porter's point of view. And when she. Says, come over Sarah I had so much relief then even though I knew things were not resolved I just and I was kind of bracing for impact because I wasn't really sure they were going to get a reunion until it actually happened and then I'm like okay but then I was so panicked they were
1: going to get caught I couldn't enjoy their time together I just couldn't I was nervous that they were going to get caught a little further in of them spending time together I'm going to back up just a little bit I love that Travis pointed out to her You love Lucas.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing this back up because I want to talk about this scene.
1: Okay. Well, tell me your thoughts on it because yeah, you go first.
0: Well, when he said, you love Lucas, not me. And then he talks about how his mother tried to kill him. Love Travis, but not him. Travis, but not him. And then Porter was the only one who chose him. Sarah. I know. My heart swelled so much for Porter in that moment and that Travis recognized that.
1: Yes. This kid is so intuitive and he's so smart and just, I felt like it was such a profound thing for an 11 year old who's really 10. <laughs> I have to point that out. To point out to an adult, you know what I mean? Yes. Like in such a high stressful situation, he's able to say how he's feeling and communicate that and articulate that in a way that it hit her. It sucker punched her. You know, I I imagine that as a mom, you just think to yourself, oh my gosh, because he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And that was the turning point for her okay, I need to call Porter. And then they have their reunion that the you reunion. can't enjoy because you're no, afraid they're going to get caught.
0: I was stressed the whole time. I loved the scene, though, that she gave him time while she's figuring out the pizza. <laughs> she spends forever just ordering all the pizzas. Seven pizzas. <laughs> so many pizzas. And I loved the scene where he's having her outline why she did that many. But I love that she respected the fact that they both, not just him, but Travis, not just Travis, but Porter needed that time. And Hannah. And Hannah together.
1: yeah. Yeah, for two hours. And so it just, and he says to her, why those seven pizzas mean so much (laughs) to him. That, again, Allie bringing the humor in a moment that we so desperately needed it. Yes. That I just, that scene was so good. And I love that they have that night. They also, they have their intimate moment, the reconnecting and, Mm -hmm. and their confession in the dark of how they're feeling and their fear.
0: I love that they were able to be vulnerable with one another and really express those raw emotions about how they're feeling, even though what they said might step on each other's toes because they're both, you know, feeling anxiety over the same person. I just loved their relationship, that they were able to have those genuine conversations without fear of repercussions.
1: I love that the next morning they wake up and they have this beautiful moment of laughter because she's asleep and they're teasing her about snoring and then she has her ian poster <laughs> cut out and I love that moment and porter is thinking to himself he never thought that he never knew if they would have a moment like that but she's being playful with both of his kids
0: yes and it that was a turning two. point
1: yes it was and Just to realize we can do this. We can have a family. It just... It warmed my heart. It made me so happy. I really feel like that was the shift within the story.
0: After this first night, they decide they're in it together. They're a team, and no matter what, they're going to just continue. Even though there's a protection order, as much as they can, they're going to lay under the radar. And so the following night, Charlotte spends the night at Porter's. He's reaffirmed her that it would be safer over there. Nobody's going to be stopping by. And... All evening long, she's working herself up into a tizzy about Catherine. Let's talk about that.
1: That was very emotional because I kind of thought that too. I, when she starts, I wasn't initially thinking it until the scene where she's thinking of all the pictures on the walls and Mm -hmm. stuff and how she couldn't look around because she was afraid Catherine was going to be in some of them. So I understand the anxiety that she was feeling because then I started having it for her. <laughs> yes. Especially when they go up to Porter's bedroom and she thinks, did Catherine pick out this bed? And all of those emotions that I hated that she was trying to escape him. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, for a split second, I was afraid that Allie was going to write her leaving the house and taking Travis. I'm
0: glad she didn't.
1: I'm glad she didn't. She shouldn't because Travis needed a good night's rest. That boy has to get up a lot from <laughs> treatments. But I, I was surprised that that was not the house. I was surprised
0: too even though it was just down the street. I enjoyed that Porter was able to put her mind. I first of all I respect Porter for pushing her Mm -hmm. to talk about it. Yes. He tells her many times I can't fix it if I don't know what the problem is. You have to talk to me. Let me in sweetheart. And when she finally does he's able to put her mind at, at ease in that the house is not the same which gets them into the conversation about I still have some of Catherine's things that I saved for my kids. Are you going to be okay with that come future time, if and whenever, Hannah asks, or even Travis. He still has some memories of her, so she, he obviously doesn't want to talk about it now, but there may be a time when he does. And are you going to be okay with that? i That was such a real, raw conversation, and one that I hadn't thought about. Hmm. And so I really enjoyed reading through that from that perspective.
1: I did too. And I could understand the challenge that she's feeling because you just, how, how can you be in the space with the woman who abducted your son?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it would be very challenging because the woman who abducted your son was married to the man you're in love with. I love that she is able to separate Hannah as being an innocent little girl because I feel like not a lot of people can do that. I don't care what people say. They're like, oh, it's just a child. They're innocent. It's like, don't lie to me. <laughs> don't lie to me. Not everybody feels that way. That's mm-hmm. not, every, but not every adult, although they should, can make that distinction between an innocent child typically, not typically. Sometimes if a child is associated with a an adult that has wronged you you can knowingly or unknowingly have some bias there have some bias there so I was thankful that Charlotte did not but it would be it would be hard to know that your son would ever want anything it's
0: like we just keep getting more layers of the onion peeled back yeah with these little nuggets that There's we just a lot. as we move forward into the story after they've made the decision to be together they have a celebration reunion at Tanner's house
1: Well, because he is um, proven innocent. He proven innocent. Porter has been proven innocent. Cleared
0: of the investigation. So they're going to have a celebration at Tanner's. And I was surprised by his mother's reaction. Were you?
1: Absolutely. Yes, because she is a saint. And Mm -hmm. they depict her as that. And she is there. And spoiler alert, I have read, there is a book about Tanner that I have read. And the mom is in that way more. Okay. So I was... Very, very surprised having known what she's like in another Mm -hmm. with the other brother to know how she treated her. I was very taken back. But I also loved the point she was trying to get across. Mm -hmm. Are we in this together or are you going to take my grandson away again? Are you going to hurt my son? Yeah.
0: She was definitely in mama bear mode. She
1: was in mama bear mode and I understood it. But I also, (laughs) I love where Charlotte you know, tells them, maybe you should have called first. <laughs> and it didn't, Then she was like, pretends to do Porter's voice, like, hey, I'm bringing my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So that was funny.
0: Picking up the pace a bit, Travis is hanging out on the lake, and they have a moment of laughter. Well, Porter and Charlotte have a moment of laughter. They're in the water. When they break the water, the surface, that's when all hell breaks loose, and Travis has collapsed into the lake, and we have this medical emergency. Yeah. They rush him to the hospital, and... He is in. He is very, very sick. Brady comes into the hospital, sees Porter, realizes that the protective order has been broken, and just turns this into very high stress. What is already a ten level on the stress, he just pushes that nozzle a little bit further.
1: I know, and Porter gets arrested. He does and goes to jail again. But I love Charlotte's uh, point of view and what she points out to Brady is. Your first concern was him and not how Travis is doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: he is more his dad than you are.
0: Yes. because That was a
1: nice little uh, zinger. It was a zinger, but it was also get perspective, dude. Yes, put him S- in his place. Stop worrying about Porter and worry about your son that you're fighting so hard to have this relationship with. Yeah.
0: So I want to talk briefly about Travis going into this first surgery and that not coming well before we shift back into Brady versus Porter. Okay. So the first surgery when the doctors come out Sarah I thought he died.
1: I did too. I did too and I thought this story doesn't have a happy ending after all. How are we gonna make it through this? Already
0: we've broken our hearts a bajillion times and here we are again and he's passed away. What?
1: That's what I thought. I, I instantly thought I was like okay this doesn't have a happy ending. I didn't see that coming. I did not see how we were gonna recover from
0: this situation but lo and behold he's still alive. He just didn't get the heart transplant the first time around and this takes us to This Brady versus Porter dynamic that we've been fighting this whole story. We finally, it all comes to a head. Mm -hmm. And Porter catches Brady in the parking lot and has this moment where he said, listen, this is why Travis is not connecting with you. He basically puts him on Front Street, which I loved Porter so much in that moment because he's thinking about Travis this whole time. Brady's just exhibiting so much jealousy. Mm -hmm fear and just can't figure out why Travis won't connect to him and I loved how Porter basically just lays it all out for him.
1: I did too and I felt devil's advocate a little bit. I do still see as much as I hate the way Brady has responded I do understand why he's reacted the way he has. I feel like that's a real human emotion that you would be feeling. Yes. Because the fact that I mean typically if somebody's abducted and you're getting them back they're not still... (laughs) stay with the person that they've been living with because Porter didn't know. Mm -hmm. So you, they're having this whole custody battle, full custody, part-time, blah, blah, blah. And Porter says, I'm withdrawing the petition for part-time custody because we got to, we got to work together. Blended families happen every day. Mm -hmm. Let's make this work. And I was very thankful for how Porter handled that.
0: Chose to be the bigger man.
1: He chose to be the bigger man. And that Brady as hard as it was for him he also came to the realization okay you're right. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like he told him how Travis would react when they went upstairs and it Travis probably reacted that way and Brady was thinking Porter really does know more.
0: And it was also in that moment before Travis goes into the second surgery That Porter has this moment of realization that Brady
1: does love him. Yes. He does love him. And he asked Travis to give him an advance.
0: Sarah, I loved that. I did too. And I love that Travis did it without, like he trusted his dad enough to take his advice and do what he asked. And it, it paid out a hundredfold for everybody in the room.
1: It really did. And again, I have to say, okay, so back to this as a parent, for Porter to do that with Travis would be the right thing. But again, that Travis, or excuse me, Porter could very much have responded the way Brady has been reacting. Mm -hmm. He's raised him. Yeah. So there is that sense of like, he is mine. He is mine. Mm -hmm. And because I would feel that way about my kids. yeah, Like they're mine. You don't get to have a say. So it just takes, it takes a really big person to realize that, There's never too many people that can love a child.
0: I loved that sentence, that statement.
1: I did too. And as hard as that is, because we do feel like as parents, you know, nobody else can do it as good as I can. But this is a unique situation that we have to recognize. This isn't two parents who have split and gotten with somebody else. This is a completely different scenario Mm -hmm. and you have to work together. And they did. They really I know, did. They, I came love that together. they came
0: together. And that he had his successful surgery. He yes. got his heart. And we we moved to the end of the story where it's Travis's birthday party. I loved that he complained about having to turn eleven for a second time. I know I did too. But my favorite part of this whole ending was the Porter proposal. Yes.
1: The pink speedo <laughs> with the little cocktail napkins all was the, the belt. All,
0: all the, the cutouts. cutouts. It's oh. like Ian Who. <laughs> was the best. It was the best. Sarah, I loved that proposal. It was so Porter and just so genuine. It. I had the dorkiest grin on my face I did during the whole scene. And it was
1: so Allie because yes. she gave us this such, a, so funny, so awkward. <laughs> but so Porter and Charlotte is their relationship. And she brought that humor to the end of the story and it was so wonderful it's she, what
0: our hearts needed to be restored through we, this entire we duet it. of a heartbreak now whether or
1: not it's realistic if <laughs> that would be how it ended in real life we're gonna say yes it is yes because they come together as a blended family and they love each other and they work hard to just heal from the trauma and the tragedy that they've endured together and they choose to do it together as a family. It was so amazing. We loved this duet, yes. did we not, Amy? It was, it was so amazing. good. So, so good. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, part two. We hope you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us. We would love to hear from you. What were your favorite parts of this story, of this duet? Hit us up on Instagram at our Postbook Depression podcast or on Facebook at our Postbook Depression podcast discussion group. You can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading.